Welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, what are you looking for? Today's cast continues the series of the four questions recruiters are always going to ask you. And today, we talk about the second question. What are you looking for? Here we go. So we started this this series of questions that recruiters are going to ask a while ago, right? And the first question was, what's your current situation? Right. And we went through that in some detail. And so today we're going to talk about the second question in this series, which is, what are you looking for? Right. And, you know, I I don't know about you, but um, I think really this is a question which will make or break you in the recruiter's mind, but not for the reasons most people think. Yeah. Most people think that the art of answering this question well to do it right is to be vague and just get through it. Yeah, they're 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 trying to to throw out this like huge net, right? So they can they can right. The more words I put put out there, the greater the chances the right words will be heard by the recruiter. They're wrong, and 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 you know what? That fundamentally comes from a misapprehension about interviewing, because everybody goes in to interviews. Virtually everyone goes in interviews from a position of weakness because they see it as a black box, right? Like we talk about in the interviewing series. If they see it as a black box, then they go in with weakness, and if they go in as weak with weakness. They believe the recruiter is out to get them. The recruiter is looking to weed them out. And so rather than saying, uh, I'm going to be myself, and if I get ruled out, well, that's fine. Then I wasn't right for the job. They say, I'm going to try to do as many different things as possible. Unfortunately, that makes you look like everybody else to all the recruiters. It makes you look weak. Now, I think we did a cast about this. I've called this horseman's wager for a long, long time, which is, you know, there are two choices. You get an offer or you don't. And the other choices are either you choose to be yourself or you you game the system, you fake it, you become somebody else. And, you know, it's a bad outcome if you don't get hired. There's no question people, you don't go into an interview not wanting an opportunity for the job, right? Right. But imagine you don't get hired because you're playing the game, right? I mean, to me, that's the worst possible outcome because you might think to yourself, maybe if I'd have been myself, I would have gotten the job. Everybody's so afraid of failure that they're willing to play not to lose. And unfortunately, the way to win in recruiting is to play to win. Well, and the other outcome is not so great either, which is you fake the recruiter into, into them thinking that you're something that you're not. You get the job and you turn out it's not a good fit. <laughs> and it's you, not. Then you're exactly, miserable. And yeah. then, you're, then you're right back at square one looking for a new job again. So that's not a great outcome either. Yeah, exactly. So look, when recruiters ask this question, 50% of the people that get asked this question uh, they stutter, they trip over themselves. Clearly, they've never said the words they're using out loud in the order they're delivering them, right? And it is a immediate red flag to recruiters. Now, if you're going in thinking, I'm just going to throw the kitchen sink at them, well, then, of course, you won't have practiced the kitchen sink. You'll just say, well, I just got to put out all kinds of stuff and maybe they'll find a couple that they like, right? You don't have to, you don't have to practice that. And so that lack of practice is not only indicative of A, lack of practice, it's indicative of B, doesn't have a clear idea of what he wants. Yeah. And it really annoys the recruiters too. I mean, they're, get, they're getting, you know, 50 calls in two hours every single day. And th- yeah, that's I mean, crazy. When, a recruiter, when a recruiter has to make calls to fill a job, they're making calls, right? They're calling a person and then getting voicemail and calling again and calling again. If I'm not mistaken, Wendy recently uh, Twittered. You know, how irritating is it that I've called somebody 
five times in two days and they haven't returned my call. I mean, look, if you're that person, don't ever assume you could approach that company with the recruiters who have been trying to reach you and expect to be treated professionally. Or no, you'll be treated professionally. You just won't get hired, right? Right. Taking up a recruiter's time who has to call lots of people to fill particular needs, right? And the way you take up that time is not rehearsing your answer in advance. It, it annoys us, right? And as, as Wendy is like to say, that annoyed recruiters are much less likely to help you. <laughs> right. And, and, and again, as we said, it goes to the issue. It, it sends a message. You don't know what you want. And really, if you're making more than about $80,000 a year or you know 60,000 pounds a year or something like that, why would anybody pay you 80000 or gosh, even 100000 or more if you don't know what you want? I mean, oh, yeah. we, or even 30000 <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, we will pay for 90, we'll take 90% less ability for 10% more attitude every day of the week. And we want people to know what they want. Somebody says, you know, I, I may not be the guy who looks best on paper for this, but man, am I good at this job? And here's why I want it. And here's why I think you should hire me. Yeah. Well, the art of answering this question is to come across as a professional. A person who respects other people's needs, who knows what they want and believes they can get it, who's clear thinking, positive, and who communicates their thoughts clearly and precisely. <laughs> and, well, I think we have some things to share with folks today to get them to that point. Right. We've got, um, we've got five key points. First of all, we're going to start with the importance of clarity again, as we did in the other cast on, the, on this topic. We're going we're gonna to recommend you be flexible. Okay. And then uh, point three, we recommend your answer includes the industry you want, your prime responsibilities, your skills, and the environment. And notice in there, it doesn't say job title. Uh, point four, we'll give you several examples of how the answers to this question sound. So you can say, okay, I can, I can cut and paste my interests my responsibilities, my skills, and so on into a, into a couple of sentences that can meet this criteria. And then lastly, of course, you've got to be ready for the next question. Good. Okay. Well, we got to talk about the importance of clarity again. I mean, we already started to address this point in the preamble. And of course, we talked about in the previous cast as, as well, you know, the, the question of what's your current situation. But we got to talk about it again because it's so darn important. Yeah, you know, I think the thing that with clarity is that people miss, uh, again, if you're being unclear, the recruiter assumes one of two things. You're unintentionally being unclear, meaning you don't know what you want and or you're just not prepared or you're un unclear thinker, none of which is good, right? Or you simply want to be unclear to hide a lack of precision, hide a lack of knowledge about what the answer is. I mean, we, we teach this when we get asked, we, we talk about bottom line up front. If you could ask your college grade point average or how well you did in college, and your answer starts with a long ramble about how much you had to work for your own degree or, or all the factors that led into it, we assume that you did not get a 4.0, which for those of you international uh, professionals, a 4.0 in, in U.S. colleges means you got straight A's, which is the highest score you can get. Yeah, there are higher scores than that. But generally speaking, the, the standard for perfection, getting great, perfect grades throughout college would be a 4.0. And when we ask that question, we assume if you give us a long preamble before you give us a number, since that's what we asked for, what was your GPA? The long preamble indicates we're not going to hear 4.0. Right. The message that sends is you don't want to be dinged for your low GPA. So you want us to feel good about why you got a low GPA. Unfortunately for us, that puts your agenda, which is you telling us what you want us to know in front of 
our agenda, which is what we want to know. And if, if you haven't figured it out yet, some, obviously many of you listening haven't ordered the interviewing series, but we talk about it in almost all our interviewing casts, whether they're public or part of the interviewing series. What we say is, you know, you're not in charge of the interview, the recruiter is. And if you want a good analogy and you haven't interviewed a whole lot, it's very simple. The analogy is the interviewer is your boss. You better give your boss what he or she wants. And you better not go through life thinking you're going to have a great career by giving the boss what you want to give her and ignoring what she really needs, right? If you want recruiters to help you get what you want, you've got to help them get what they want. And at this point early on, remember, they're making this phone call. They've got these four key questions for you, right? You know, what's your current situation? What are you looking for? What's your salary and so on, right? We'll cover all of them, right? Um, what they want to understand at this point as quickly as possible, that's the key. they got to get through things quickly, is whether you would even want the role for which they're recruiting, okay? Now, you're probably saying to yourself, well, I don't want to rule myself out. I don't know enough about the role, so therefore I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at him. We're telling you now, unfortunately, that sends a message that you may not want it or you literally don't know what you want, which doesn't prove to them that you would want this job. Right. And, and since you're already interviewing at this point, that's, that's a bad way to start. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, what's the core skill we use? What is manager tools about? It's about tools, which are essentially behaviors, managerial and career behaviors, right? So when you're interviewing, the capability, the skill, the, the behavior you engage in is all about communication. One of the skills you have to demonstrate in every interview, whether you're right for the job or not, is your ability, ability to communicate professionally. And that really means clearly and concisely, succinctly, right? Since you know this question is coming, and we're telling you now, this question is coming from recruiters. What are you looking for? Okay. Even if you apply for Job X and they're calling you about Job X, they're still going to ask you what's your current situation, what you're looking for, and so on and so on, right? It's reasonable for them to expect you to know it's coming. Yeah. And since you, in their minds that you know this question is coming, practicing your answer to ensure you give the right impression is a no-brainer. And by by the opposite inference, if you don't have a good answer, if you're unclear, if you're uncrisp, if you're unrehearsed, if you're unpracticed, it comes across that you haven't done your work. And therefore, either you don't know, which gives some indication of your professional knowledge about how the process works, which may cause them to be con show concern about whether or not they put you in front of a hiring manager, or it shows, again, that you really don't know what you want, which is something that scares recruiters. Well, yeah, yeah. If you don't know what you're, you don't want, how are you going to get it? I mean, yeah. I mean, really, re recruiters are not therapists, folks. <laughs> they're not they're not career counselors. Yeah, and you know, to that point, they're not going to try to help you get what you want. Their goal is to get what they want. If you happen to be right, if you happen to help them get what they want, great. They're going to be thrilled, but they're never going to take off the hat of who pays them, which is the company right? Whether they're an external or internal recruiter, they're focused on getting what they want. If they can get what they want while also giving you what you want, lucky for everybody. But don't think for a second that they're trying to place you. Recruiters don't try to place people. Recruiters try to fill openings. Right. They got a list of those roles sitting in front of them and they're trying to find people who are going to fit them. And if they don't, if they don't have a role that's right for you, well, God, wouldn't it be good to know that like, now, 
certainly from their standpoint, yeah. it is. And, and yeah. if you're smart, it's, it's good from your standpoint as well. Yeah. So you, so look, you need to give them an idea of whether the two of you are in the same county when it comes to what they have and what you want. There's no point in being coy about it. As we said before, you got to be worried about a horseman's uh, wager, right? Heaven forbid you be the right person for the job and game it and not get an offer or worse, game it and get an offer for a job that you're not right for. Now, if you're unprepared, if you're unrehearsed, and by the way, don't worry about being so rehearsed that you recite the lines as if you're singing a song and it's boring, um, because when you rehearse a lot, actually you get so comfortable with the ideas, you don't say it the same way every time. It's not a memorized poem that you're reciting in in uh, uh, in one of your um, you know lower forms in school, okay? If you're prepared, what they see is somebody who is not only prepared, done their work, but also is clear about what they want and confident about their clarity. Hey, I want X. And frankly, they'll be more likely to help you find X if they have openings in X than they are trying to fit you in Y if, again, you throw X, Y, Z, A, B, C in front of them. And if you're clear and crisp and you say something that they don't, they're not looking for at that time, they will like you because you're willing to be clear and crisp and it will increase your answers and your, your, your chances to get another job. Literally throwing the kitchen sink at a recruiter reduces your chances for the job they're looking for and all the other ones as well because you're violating a fundamental rule about communication and about relationships by telling the other person what you want them to know rather than talking to them about what they want to know. If you're asked, you know, what do you want? And you tell them X because that's what you want X and they're not recruiting for X. They appreciate your candor and they'll help you. They'll spend a little extra time trying to help you find X. Yeah. So all that said, what we're saying is be clear in your own mind what it is that you want and then practice those words until you can deliver them in a clear, succinct manner. And just use this as an opportunity to demonstrate your professionalism. That's why be, but that's why clarity, the importance of clarity is our number one point. It is better to be clear and to say that you want something that they may not be recruiting for. Because if you don't know what they're recruiting for and you try to throw in the sink, you kill yourself for every opportunity as opposed to having a greater chance for a different opportunity if it, if they're not recruiting for the one you want. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay, now now we're going to blow people's minds, though, because after <laughs> telling folks to be clear and succinct in their answer, now we're going to tell them, be flexible. <laughs> yeah, but really, but really, no. I mean, being clear, we don't mean when we say clear to be rigid or narrow about what people want. In the same way that someone could say, I want a role in the Atlanta area, but I'm open to opportunities in other locations, just like we talk about in our location cast, how to handle location interview, we can be clear that we'd like a particular industry or a particular role without closing ourselves to other opportunities. And so what we do is we give broad areas, and and again, we're going to talk about those areas, but you've got to add the all-important caveat, but I'm open to other opportunities. That caveat, I'm open to other opportunities, allows us to express our flexibility. And look, this isn't just a verbal construct. It may very well be, for some of you, a mental one you need to work yourself into. A lot of candidates that Wendy has talked to, I've talked to, or you talked to, they, they box themselves in by believing that they only work well in a corporate setting, or they only work in a particular area of finance, or they'd only work in a company which gives holidays for your birthday, or, or you know, that, that honors, um, you know, that has 20 uh, uh, national holidays or bank holidays a year. 
And so what we do is we want to state what we want, but we want to be we want to be professional in our communication by being clear about what we want. And then when we say we want to be flexible, we want to say, and I'll consider other, I'm open to other opportunities as well. If you're a click with the recruiter, if you click with the recruiter and, and then and you click with the kind of culture and you don't know it, but even though they're recruiting for Atlanta and you prefer Dallas, Dallas is coming on stream as well. And you are just like the manager in Dallas, even though the position is a little bit different. If you leave out the phrase, I'm open to other opportunities, and you start with a clear, crisp answer, you really will rule yourself out for other opportunities. Now, I know what people are thinking, right? I know what people are thinking right now. What they're thinking is, well, then I don't want to do that. I don't want to be specific and then say I'm open. I want to, I want to give them again the kitchen sink response. The kitchen sink response is completely different than what we're saying because kitchen sink, you don't get credit for stating what you want. You don't get credit for preparing. And frankly, you don't get, you don't get credit for being open. You just get credit for being sloppy. In our recommendation, by get, stating specifics and then stating openness, you get credit for preparation, you get credit for knowing what you want, and you get credit for being a professional by saying, I understand that not every position is exactly what I want in the location I want, at the pay, pay I want, in the industry I want. And so therefore, you know, life takes funny turns along the way. I'm open to discussions about what I might also be good at in your organization. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's, it's not just a verbal construct. For some of you, you're, you're going to have to work your yourself into this this outlook because – yeah, an example, my, my mother used to have a rule about vegetables, right? We always had to try vegetables on her plate. Now, now I was lucky. She didn't make me necessarily eat them all, but I had to try, at least try them. You know, and, right. and I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I didn't like broccoli. I love broccoli now, right? So y- you got to be willing to... To, to look yeah, at things is that, you know, over I time. Know about, I don't know about broccoli, but I get your point. <laughs> Broccoli's bro- 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 awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, I, I remember reading years ago that most people would have seven different jobs in their career. Well, you know, my father had one, was w- with one company for 40 plus years, and he scoffed at that, and I scoffed at it too. Well, I started out as an army officer, did actually did a couple different things we in there, but we could lump it all together, and so that's one. Then I was in sales, and then I was in marketing, so that's three. Then I was a recruiter. Uh, that's four. And then I was a consultant. That's five. And really, I mean, you could probably add a sixth one, which is podcaster, you know, so I'm almost there. Um, I hope I never change this role. Um, but you just don't know things change. And, and look, remember the career tools rule about getting offers and taking offers. You can't take an offer. You don't have at this stage. All you need to be doing early on when the recruiter's asking you is opening yourself up to the maximum number of offers. At this point, you don't have to worry about taking something you don't have because if you don't, if they offer you something you don't want, you just say no. But again, the path to getting an offer, even if you don't know whether you'd want it, is not to throw in the kitchen sink and to be unprepared about it and to be vague. The path is be crisp and then state your flexibility. Okay? Good. Now, we've probably covered enough of the existential part of the cast. So let's yeah. get back to something practical. So- Tell me, when you get asked this question, what do you need to cover in your answer? What's a good answer? Yeah. um, Okay. So recruiters think of jobs in a particular way. And this goes back. Remember the point we said earlier about recruiters are not trying to help you get a job. They're trying to fill a position. They're not trying to place you. They're trying to fill a position. Of course, it takes a person to be placed, but what they care about is the position is filled. Okay. They don't list names on their board. They list openings. Okay. And recruiters think this way. First, they think about the industry you're in. 
Okay, whether it's defense or building materials or manufacturing or professional services, financial services, real estate, consumer goods, whatever. That's what they start with. Okay, next, and this is where a lot of people miss the boat. Next in their taxonomy comes prime responsibilities. Again, as I mentioned earlier, not job titles. Job titles vary so widely between companies, it's usually very difficult to use job titles as a means of a comparison. Okay, you know. Every company accounts department, they have someone doing accounts receivable and accounts payable and expenses and payroll, and then obviously a manager for each of those areas, right? And then someone managing the overall finance function above those. You know, big companies have lots of each of those. Small companies have one person who might do multiple parts. Um, so what, what title would you have? Hard to say, depending upon the size of the company, right? Let alone the industry, right? But every company has similar work done, and it's usually split roughly the same way. So recruiters think in responsibilities rather than job titles, okay? The next thing recruiters think about is skills, okay? And, and this tends to relate to specific requirements of a role, the ability to use a computer, certain type of computer system or, or programming language to relate to customers or to senior managers. Maybe this job is a very much an individual contributor, one it, or another one. It's a lot of customer interaction. The ability to balance across multiple currencies, create reports, um, uh, travel, uh, communicate technical uh, information in plain language, those kinds of things. And then lastly, surprisingly to a lot of people, um, and I think this, for most people, they'll probably think it's just job titles, and that's, we've already shown that to be wrong, but the next thing is recruiters think about environment. You know, look, each company has its own culture. A startup, you know, fast-paced and risky, but, you know, perhaps very exciting, or an IBM or Procter & Gamble or Johnson Johnson or, you know, something like that, somewhat away from the bleeding edge, but somebody who's got it, you got to have political skills, you know, at P&G, you, you've got to be able to keep and keep on top of different changing consumer tastes and so on, or, or as opposed to a business, a business company like Caterpillar, which produces heavy machinery, and that may take a year to design or make or even longer than that. Uh, different people thrive in different companies, and it's important to the recruiter to know that they're putting a round peg in a round cultural hole, so to speak. So recruiters think industry, responsibilities, skills, and environment. And look, that makes it easy. When you're in France, talk, speak French, right? If you're talking to Cedric, our, our, our dear friend who runs Manager Tools France, who continues to build a community with the French-speaking Manager Tools podcast, yeah, Cedric does know English, but, but if Cedric steps away from the conversation and now you're talking to a friend of his who doesn't speak English, you better speak French, right? The most effective way to communicate with anyone about anything is in his or her own language, and recruiters are no exception. So that's yeah. their language, industry responsibilities, skills, environment. Yeah, and, and a lot of people would say that recruiters have a completely foreign language for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, and look, I, you know what's funny about that? Uh, when people say, oh, that's a completely foreign language. It's it's like saying okay then then don't vacation there, right? Or, or if you're gonna go, learn the language. It, people complain. They say, oh, it's too hard. Well, unfortunately, that's the system, and recruiters are in charge. They own the jobs, or at least they're the gateway to the jobs to the hiring managers who own the jobs. And we can complain all we want about it, or we can get with the program and say, I guess I better learn their language. Good. I, so I guess career tools is the Rosetta Stone for. Recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a case to be made for that. <laughs> okay. I don't know that I ever see us being set up in airport industry, uh, airport terminals. You got to think you a little bit know. bigger. Think a little bit bigger, yeah. my friend. Yeah, okay. Uh, give us a couple of examples. What does it sound like? 
Sure. I, I suspect okay. folks are struggling with this a little bit, and, and hearing what yeah. it sounds like should help. Right. So it sounds like this. I would prefer to stay in the defense industry. I'd like to concentrate on contract negotiation and supplier management. I'm happiest working in multifunction teams. I feel I'm ready to manage a team of up to 10 people. Right. And then, of course, that last sentence, but I'm open to any opportunity which fits my skills. That's one. Okay. Here's another one. Well, let's do, let's do three or four more. Okay. I'm looking for a marketing role with the opportunity to have a lot of media contact. I'd rather, no go, rather not go back to the public se- sector as I didn't feel it was a good environment for me, but I'd consider an exceptional opportunity there. I'm interested in the FMCG industry and particularly FMCE as I like fast paced environment. But again, I'd consider any opportunity which gave the media, the con- it gave me contact to the media and that's what I'm looking for. So you notice how in that case, the being open was woven through the answer rather than just stated at the end. Okay, next. I'm looking for the next step in my finance career. I'm currently managing accounts receivable and accounts payable, and I'd like to broaden that uh, remit as well as manage more than my current staff of three. I'm currently using Hyperion, and I have super user training I'd like to leverage. I've enjoyed being in professional services, but I'm open to other aligned sectors. You never know what might happen. Okay. Last one. I'm ready for a national sales role. I believe my industry experience in carbonated beverages will best fit with competitors of my current company, but I'm open to other industries. My current sales quota is about four million a year, and I believe I'd need to stay with the market leader to have that kind of scope. But I'd welcome your your advice on that. Wow, it's interesting. They're all pretty short. Yeah, I want to go back. Uh, you're right. Um, basically, they take less than twenty seconds. They don't go into your background. You don't build a case for why you can support that. You simply state it. And there's a bit of nakedness here, right? The shortness, you can feel emotionally naked. Like, okay, I'm telling them what I want, but I can't, you know, I'm not be able to prove that I'm doing it. And so it ends up being a 20 minute answer. I'm afraid that you're going to think that I can't do this. And so I've got to tell you everything I can do in order to make you think, yeah, you can actually do it. Nope, we don't need that, right? You don't go into your background. You don't go into your training or your references, your thoughts on the economy. Again, you answer the question the recruiter wants. You decide what you're going to say. You say it and you be quiet. Okay. It goes back to our point about being succinct and being clear, right? That's what we meant. I want to go back and say this too. Think about it. The idea of shortness is, is um, it goes to the issue of nakedness a little bit. And think about that first line of the last, last example. I'm ready for a national sales role. There's some nakedness there too, right? Yeah. Maybe you've not ever had a national sales role. Maybe you had half the nation, right? You had the northern half, or you had west of the Mississippi, or you had, you know, let's say a very small nation and you're looking for a region to get over 5 million people or 10 million people or something like that. If you say, I'm ready for a national sales role, you may be eliminating yourself from consideration in your mind. You may say, oh, but if they had a really great semi-national sales role, a half national sales role, that might be great for me too. Well, Okay, it might be. And then, you know, gosh, maybe there's a marketing role they would consider as well. So then why don't we just throw in the towel again and say, look, I'm interested in sales and marketing. Nope, that's not, you know, that's not specific enough. You have to be willing to say, I'm ready for a national sales role and recognize that there's a possibility that that could rule you out. But the opposite choice you have of giving a kitchen sink answer, giving a vague answer, will also rule you out as well. At least in this case, if you believe you can defend it, you'll get a chance to defend it. You can't defend a vague answer. Yeah, and I'd suggest that the vague answer would rule you out even faster than a more specific role that they may not have. Right. right. Yeah. After we've done this, what happens next? What's likely to be the next question we're going to get? 
Yeah, one of three things is going to happen now in the interview. Either the recruiter will want to discuss your needs in more depth. Okay, something like, would you consider non-carbonated beverages? And, and frankly, for most people in today's market, you probably want to say yes, because again, you're open and because non-carbonated has been a huge growth market in that business, right? But really, the answer is yes for the right opportunity, because again, remember, we're staying open. Okay, so, so if they want to discuss your needs in more depth and they ask about another uh, type of opportunity, say, sure, I, you know, I, for the right opportunity, certainly. You know, if the vice president of sales for a division is open in carbonated beverages, but the president of the division in non-carbonated is open, and they want to consider you as president of the division in non-carbonated, and you don't know that, and you say, no, I'd really rather stay in carbonated. Ah, ah, what a terrible mistake. Yeah. Okay. Or the recruiter will decide your particular wants and needs fit into roles they have, and they're going to continue with the qualifying questions, which will either be what's your location preference or what are your salary expectations. And again, you need to be ready for both those questions. And, and we have we have more to say on those, right? Or they will decide your answer rules you out of the roles they have. That could be bad. Right. And, and you know, but but it, it's it's again, it's not really a bad thing. Believe me, if you give the vague answer to avoid the rule out on this factor, you're going to get ruled out just because you're unprepared and unprofessional. Right. There is absolutely no point in trying to work with a recruiter who only works in the defense industry when you want FMCG or asking him to help you with finding a finance director role when he only places newly qualified accountants, you know, brand, fresh, fresh uh, uh, university graduates. Now, if that's the case, they're likely to ask you for a referral. And if you can think of someone you know who might be interested, please, again, as we mentioned previously in the previous cast in this series, pass on that information. And that's just karma, right? Taking care of others. It'll come back to you. It may not come back to you today, this week, or next month, but at some point, it'll come back to you. Yeah. Well, that, there you go. Yeah, talking about relationships again. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> just, do you ever stop with that stuff? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's really it. Look, you got to be clear. Right. The vague answer is not the panacea that you think it is. It's right to be clear and crisp. And that means rehearsing a little bit. You've got to be flexible, which means adding that part at the end saying, but I'm open to other opportunities. Right. You could always turn them down later. Right. Your answer has got to talk about industry, prime responsibility, skills and the environment you want to be in. We gave you some examples of what it sounds like. And then, of course, be ready for that next question. They may rule you out, in which case you need a referral. Uh, they may want to decide which role you fit into. And so they ask you more about location and salary or they'll want to discuss your needs more in depth, in which case, certainly, uh, if they suggest other opportunities, you want to stay open at this point, And that means saying, sure, I'd be open to the right opportunity. And I suspect that that next question they're likely to ask you, we're going to cover in a future cast. What do you think? I might, we might just do that. Okay, good. Well, everybody, stay tuned. More to come. All right, my friend. We'll see you. Thanks, partner. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it and hope to see you back here again next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. <laughs>